Inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, I am Trevor Sykema. With me is Benjamin Solak. Ben, we got to talk about the whole reason why you and I are within close proximity to each other right now. And that is because you experienced your very first public sub. Just had to come down to Florida, make the plane trip, understand everything that I've been bragging about on every single Fan Friday. Right? That's the whole reason why you came down here, isn't it? Well, that's that's what I was laughing about when you began talking about this. Was I was like, we've got you know quality college players out here vying for NFL roster spots. Every rep counts for their future. You know, retention on a fifty-three man roster, holding on to a practice squad, developing a new NFL player, and the most important thing that happened yesterday for Trevor was I ate a sandwich. Without a doubt, without a doubt, folks. For anyone that has had Publix before. Ben experienced a public sub for the very first time. I was there next to him, guiding him the entire way throughout the ordering process. Ben ordered, can wait, uh, explain which kind of sub exactly you got, because I can't remember the toppings exactly. Right, so I got buffalo chicken tender sub. Uh, I tossed it with ranch, uh, pepper jack cheese, not toasted, on uh, five grain. And I got banana pepper, spinach, and olives. It was very good. It was very fresh, which I was very impressed with. Um... And the woman who made it cared a great deal about it. Oh, God, goodness. The love and the attention she put into it. You got a good one. You got a good yeah, – even, yeah. even when the, 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 the nice lady made my sub before yours, I turned around to you guys and I was like, this woman's a, like a sandwich-making machine. Like she yeah. has perfected the art of making a public sub. You said it wasn't the best buffalo chicken tender sub you've ever had, though, which was I was a little hurt well, about, but – no, I, I didn't say it, was the, it wasn't the best buffalo chicken tender sub I've ever had. Cause I've never ever had a, a, a sub of buffalo chicken tender before. That's oh, really okay. Cool. So it's one of one. All right. Good to yeah, know. I just like, you know, I've had better life. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm, if, if, if it's really good buffalo chicken, I wouldn't really want it in a sandwich with vegetables. I would just want to eat it. You know what I mean? Like, it was it was delightful. You know, there are people who also say that, who are like, oh, I don't want to. I don't eat. The, the chicken is so good that they don't even want to keep it on the sub. Oh, yeah. Like, they just want to eat the chicken. And to them, hard to argue with it, but Buffalo Chicken Tender subs from Publix are, are top tier. Are, how does it compare to Wegmans? That's the last thing I'll say. I'll ask before we move on to actual football because everyone always talks to me about Wegmans from up north, and we don't have so that like, down south. I saw 15% of the Publix because we went in, we went right to the sandwich place, and we went right back out. I don't efficiency. Right. I don't understand why it's being compared to Wegmans that closely because my experience of Wegmans is there's a, a far like greater variety of meal foods and there's like a seating area and it's a little bit closer to that sort of like buffet restauranty approach relative to what I saw from Publix. I would more like Publix is just like a much larger Wawa. It's like a Wawa in a grocery store, I guess. I don't know. Like I, so I love Wegmans. I love Publix. I don't understand how the comparison is one to one between the two. I guess they're both like giant grocery stores that also have food you can eat, right? But like Publix has like a deli counter, whereas like Wegmans has like you know buffet lines. So like I don't really know. Never been to a Wegmans, so I guess like the next part of this journey. Actually, I have been in a Wegmans. Sorry, I went when I was in Philadelphia before, but we didn't. We didn't like go anywhere near the sit down and eat food here area we just got what we needed grocery wise and got out so i guess that's the next journey the part of the journey for me to go to wegmans right an excuse to come up to philadelphia again man 
you know, I'll always have a good excuse to go up to Philadelphia because I really do love Philadelphia. All right, yeah. enough sandwich talk. We got to talk some East West Shrine prospects. Ben and I are down here in St. Pete, Florida, watching the practices right now. One of my favorite times of the year. It really is. It's the week before Senior Bowl. It's a little bit like a warm up, but man, it's hard to even say it like a warm up because I don't want to be insulting to some of these players because over the years, I feel like there have been a handful of East West Shrine players that have not only been drafted, draftable guys, but been some of my favorites in the class. I mean, last year, Daniel Wise from Kansas, I discovered him really for the first time as I was watching him from the interior defensive line group here at the Shrine game. He was a guy who I really liked going into the draft process, or throughout the draft process from that point on. Then Jimmy Moreland, too, the corner out of JMU. Love me some Jimmy Moreland. Discovered yeah, him as well. for Moreland guy last year. I was. I, I, loved, I loved a lot about him, and really because I was able to get an up-close-and-personal look at him and his game style, get to know him very well because the access is so intimate here at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Ben, I'll just kind of kick it off to you. Is there a guy, you want to start with the East roster or the West? Is there a guy that you really want to talk to about on either side that we got to get to right away? My favorite dude is on the West roster, so that's where I would like to start. Okay. West roster, coached by Ben Steele, who is the... Uh, one of the assistant coaches for the Atlanta Falcons. He's in charge of those practices. Spent a lot of time with the Buccaneers, so knows the area pretty well, so he kind of had that connection there when he was setting up for it. Let's talk about the West roster then. Where are we going, offense or defense, for for some guys that have really impressed us here two days in? Yeah, so I know that I've, I've, I've talked to you about how much I've been impressed by this guy already in practices, but Khalil Davis out of Nebraska has been, for me, the best player. Yeah, talk about him. Over the- over the course of two days. So Cleo Davis is a defensive tackle out of Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska listed him at 6'2", 315. Nebraska was lying to you. Shocker. But uh, sometimes these schools... Wait, a school lying about a kid's measurements? No. Give the impressions of the measurables that don't necessarily reflect reality. Khalil came in at six foot three oh five. Now, there was a Shriner a couple years ago. By the name of Puna Ford, you may remember him. Uh, he ends up ending going to the Senior Bowl. I do. Uh, becomes a UDFA for the Seahawks. Now he's a key part of their rotation. He had great film from the Zero Tech of Texas. Those three man fronts. Kilo Davis is, is, is this is what Puna Ford is becoming. He's becoming an, an undersized three tech, five eleven, three ten for the Seahawks. Well, uh, this is what uh, uh, Khalil Davis is on his way to becoming as well. Uh, and, and so dominant shrine performance. No offensive lineman can handle him one on one. He's highly effective. In these, these uh, they did combo block drills yesterday. He was so good at breaking double teams, penetrating, getting inside, you know, winning a half man relationship, maintaining it through contact. Very impressive stuff. He's six foot three oh five. So we got another squatty build, another wide build. But uh, Puna won a lot with quickness. I feel like he's those are shrine like, guys, like shrine, yeah, like the like the good interior defensive line guys from shrine events are those squatty guys. So those are the guys that you got to point out right. right away. We like we had Puna, we had Daniel Wise. We had Dalen Mack, you know, like, just well, like right. when, when you ask, you know, like uh, somebody asked me yesterday, like, well, like, how do good guys from a power five program like Nebraska end up here? Because Cleo Davis played in Nebraska. And you say, well, a typical body type is an is a non prototype. And, yeah. and so the league is going to be suspicious of him for him to be successful. He has to be a little bit of an outlier. I mean, that's so, why that's why Moreland was at the game last year. I mean, because Moreland's tiny. He's like five foot eight. But right. you watch this dude play. He's a dog you know so it's right, right. it's that that's how, that's how you get here a small schooler as well and so you also had to you know give him the heat check against big that is true yeah yeah so right so with with khalil davis he's been in my opinion the most dominant player here 
Uh, he he clearly wins with that quickness, like, like I was saying with Puna Ford. But Ford was so excellent getting to the the half man. Davis is good at, at quick enough to to threaten you on the outside, and then he works that inside hand to retrace, and that's a big deal because he doesn't get pushed beyond the peak of the pocket a lot. Because he's really good at, at separating from blocks right when he reaches quarterback depth, which is important for your interior defensive line rushes to be able to do. I've been blown away. And so uh, day three, we're expecting much of the same. You know, these guys are going to be tired. It's going to be, you know, two really good days. Is he going to sit on his heels or are you going to continue to get after it and be hungry? With these days put together, in the event that an interior defensive line spot opens in Mobile, I'm quite certain there will be NFL teams who lobby to get Khalil there because these interior offensive linemen for the West Group aren't that good. You know, and, it, and that's okay. It's hard to get good offensive linemen in the Senior Bowl, let alone in the Shrine game. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want to see him against better senior competition next week in Mobile if they can. So Khalil Davis is the name to watch for that reasons. Why I bring up Puna Ford, who also went from Shrine to Senior Bowl, then to the league. Um, but but I mean, eight and a half sacks, fifteen tackles for loss in his senior season. He wasn't unproductive. We're just we're we're, we're heat checking his atypical frame, and so far he's holding up against the test. Yeah, a couple of defensive guys just sticking with the West that that I've really been impressed with. They come from the defensive back group. Keith Washington, the second from West Virginia. Chris Williamson, the corner from Minnesota. And then from the safety group, Patrick Nelson from SMU. Those are the three guys that as we've watched this West practice, they've definitely stood out. I think Washington. Keith Washington's been on the business end of a couple highlights for wide receivers. He has, he has. But, you know, of course, You've got to take all that stuff with a grain of salt, right? When I go into these all-star events, you're going to see defensive backs get put on some highlight reels. That's just the way that it is. I mean, there's a lot of one-on-one work going on. And if you know you know anything schematically about defense, you know that defense is often about helping the guy next to you, right? Sometimes it has to do with one-on-one man coverage. But not nearly as much, especially for an event like this. So you know that these guys probably aren't the greatest in man coverage. They're going up against these one-on-one competition things with wide receivers where they're getting to run <laughs> double and triple moves almost sometimes with, with all the time in the world. The quarterback's not even getting pressured. And so sometimes he's put on a highlight reel a little bit. But what Washington is doing really well is I think he's paying attention to the details of what the coaching staff is telling him. Like every time Keith Washington is involved in a play, even if he might not make the play on the ball, he's trying to punch it out. He's going to get he's going to hit it out late. I've noticed that a couple of times. When Washington's been beating coverage, he'll get a hand in there late. He's got a really good natural tendency to just be annoying. And sometimes it's lending himself to the ball popping out. No completion. Even though he gets burned on the route, even though he gives up the catch. He'll get a late hand in there. He'll remember to do what he's supposed to do, and that ball will come out. So he's a six foot dude. He's got the length that you want, but he's like a buck seventy five, man. Like he he is he's a skinny dude, and so it's hard for him to go up against some of these bigger bodied wide receivers. But really like Keith Washington's mentality and how he approaches the position. I think that he's been doing really well. Chris Williamson is the other the other corner that I like from Minnesota when. This group has had to say, like, all right, send your best corner. We'll put him against our best wide receiver from the other side. Chris Williamson is often the one over these first two days that has been that number one guy that they have put out there. I think he's pretty fluid. He's got good hips. He does have pretty quick feet. And he's been able to stick with a lot of these wide receivers where, like I said before, these wide receivers know where they're going, and they got a lot of open grass to just find a place to catch the football. Chris Williamson, I thought, did a really good job covering these guys especially on the first day they had a one-on-one drill where god which one was it was he going up against Juwan Johnson or maybe it was Benjamin Victor I can't remember which wide receiver it was 
but they went deep down the field. It was kind of like one of those end of the day one on one reps where you basically tell the wide receiver, "Hey, what's your best route? Tell me what your best route is, and we'll run it. We'll get the point. We'll get out of practice with the win." They did that to Chris Williamson, and he was all over his guy. So, going back to my original point, kind of what I was saying before with corners, and you got to give them a little bit of leeway because a lot of these guys are more zone players than they're going to be man players. Williamson showed some man coverage traits there. He showed some good hips. He showed the ability to be sticky in coverage, including 40, 45 yards down the field, whatever it was. And so, really liked what I saw from those dudes and then from the safety position Patrick Nelson he's just getting really physical with these guys I think he's got a real knack for playing off coverage he'll get you five or six yards but he knows exactly when to break it seems knows when to time getting in there hitting these guys as the ball's coming in got active hands need him to get some takeaways here that's what I need from a lot of these guys and that's kind of what the defensive backs coach said when I was listening to him the other day hey days one and two you've set yourself up that's a good thing days three and four really separate the men from the boys if you will in terms of getting this money turnovers get you money and so I'm very interested to see whether or not Patrick Nelson from SMU is going to get a little bit more aggressive if he does have that next pep in the step to not only knock passes away not only see routes before they're going to break but also cut in front of him get himself some takeaways over the next two days yeah I liked Williamson a fair bit that rep at, at the end of day one was um McCray it was the Oklahoma State oh okay year. yes right. who is who hey, is, is he the mutant big Williamson? dude he's mutant big yeah but um no he's he's been one of the more impressive one of the more impressive secondary players here and I think on the west he's probably one of the better players. Uh west offense not a great unit. I know you like uh Reggie Corbin out of Illinois on his film. I've been uh, impressed with Corbin. He's a well-built dude. He's effective in My passing. man Reggie Corbin. He was yeah, a late yeah, yeah. You remember you remember I, I mean you got to confirm it for the good people out there. I wrote about Reggie Corbin last year in a five-play prospect. We talked about him a little bit during the summer when we were going through our running back rankings. And Reggie was a late add to the Shrine game. So much so that I had kind of I, I made my own roster sheet in the morning. The morning of, and he wasn't on there. I didn't see him on there. And then when he sat out there in practice, Ben was walking by me on the sideline. And I was like, dude, 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 dude. Reggie Corbin's here. And Ben was just like, oh, nice. Shout out, Reggie. But, like, you saw how pumped I was that Reggie Corbin yeah. was at this game. It was one of the first things you said to me on that day. You were like, guess who's here? And I was like, a GM. And you were like, Reggie Corbin. Reggie and Corbin? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever, man. I was pumped. But, you know, through two days, it's been effective in all the pass protection drills. He's comfortable running the whole route tree. And you don't really get a good feel for what these running backs actually do with the ball in their hands because we don't really have live tackling, you know, and, like, the – the rule for offensive defensive line is stay up, right? Don't fall down because that's yeah. somebody's going to get injured. So right. everybody stays up, right? And so you don't necessarily get a good look at how they read and how they push the line of scrimmage or whatnot. But he's definitely, I think of the backs that are on this West roster, he's been the one that I've enjoyed the most. He's clearly got the build for it as well, which is nice. So hopefully he's a combine invite. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's that's how I feel about West, guys. Do you have anybody from the East team? Or Well, I just wanted to, to say real quick about the, the West, some guys that have impressed me from the offensive side as well before we switch over to the East. James Robinson, the running back from Illinois State. Like, I, I know he's got a lot of production, but uh, I, I wasn't super impressed with his film when I was watching it. He's kind of popping. Like He's just a he's a, a guy who's getting it done for him. I'm not blown away as by his athleticism, but in terms of a guy who stands out over the last two days, 
I thought he stood out pretty well. Wide receivers, though, we've got to mention Benjamin Victor from Ohio State and and um, Juwan Johnson from Oregon because these two dudes, they're cooking people. I mean, they're you you talked about some highlight real guys. They're putting on a highlight tape over these last two days. I mean, every time Benjamin Victor takes the field, it seems like it doesn't matter which defense be, defensive back is going up against him. He's given us a clip that we're posting on social media a few minutes later. Juwan Johnson was kind of chosen as that last man to win the day for the offense during the one-on-one drills as well. Very smooth. I think he's got explosive feet for a guy his size. Now, I'll say that the cornerback group probably isn't the greatest here. Would love to see him against some better competition. But in terms of these guys, he is a head and shoulder, I think, above the competition that he's going up against. So would be remiss if we didn't mention those guys because they've been blowing up our social media because they've uh, had a lot of highlight plays that we've been able to highlight. So east side, offense, defense, which one do you want to start out with? Mm. Nobody. All right, great. Glad you no. were here. Thank you. Appreciate not, it. Not nobody. I didn't want to start with another defensive tackle, though I've been impressed with some of the defensive Ben, it's your podcast. Playing. You can do whatever you want. You know what? I'm in charge. No, okay. Um, East side of the roster, they've got offensive line. I like the Buffalo kid a bit. He's been fun. Alex Highsmith on the edge has been nice. Oh, um, um Louisiana dude. I like dude. Benny LeMay, that running back that they've got out of Charlotte. No, the Louisiana offensive lineman, Kevin Dotson. Well, okay, DeMar Dotson. The problem is he had a much better day one than he had day two. Oh, I didn't see him a lot on day two. But you said, yeah, by the way, no. you said Demar Dotson, which is the right tackle for the Buccaneers. This is Kevin Dotson. Oh, oh no, no, Kevin Dotson, Kevin Dotson. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, indeed. From I Louisiana, mean, uh, played next to Robert Hunt, correct? Yes. Um, I think I saw this in passing, so it could be wrong, but I believe that Kevin Dotson, who played right guard for Louisiana, yes. the Raging Cajuns, he played. So he played right guard next to Hunt, who played right tackle, and. They doubled and comboed with these two kids because they're both super physical, really strong at the point of attack, a lot of rolling power when they go downhill, right? Mm-hmm. So they wanted to move them like that. The thing with Dotson is, like, he's trying in pass protection to figure things out. And, and and the issue is that I don't think he has as dense of a lower half as I thought. I don't think he has the the, the curvature that you want in the spine and then, the, the, you know, the, the big glutes and the big thighs. He's, it's not really there for him yet, which, you know, losing a Lafayette, good program. But in terms of, like, you know, moving from that weight room to an NFL weight room could be a big deal for him. But accordingly, it's a little bit tough for him to to drop his anchor. They were doing bull, pull, bull drills where he had to continually, you know, activate his hips, get into a low base, anchor, re-anchor, 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 and then reset, and then re-anchor, 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 right? And he's just a little bit tight in the hips, right? So it's not the most mobile, active, powerful lower half. It makes it tough to ha- hang against the bull rush. And then he wasn't nearly as effective today in some of the the running drills where he was at his best, I thought, in day one. What I will say for the offensive line in, on the East squad is Michael Nwenu, who's uh he's out uh, he's he's a Michigan kid. Yeah. Six four, three sixty-five, thirty-four and a half inch arms. Trevor is a healthy young man. All right. This is a large dude. Yes. Now, why are you playing guard if you're this big? Well, because he's he's shorter, he's six two. He doesn't have a huge stride length, and also because his best trait is his ability to jump set and be really really physical in the interior. As a defensive line background, he's super aggressive with his punch. He loves to use that creep technique, right, to get right up in the kitchen of defensive tackles and three techs right off the ball. 
Uh, and then that long and, and devastating punch initially stuns the rush, and now he's in a great position to control you for the entire rep. And so he's the only one who really holds up against these East interior defensive linemen. He does it with regularity. The size is really nice because you can probably cross-train him at tackle if he's going to be a depth player for you. And now he's backing up three, maybe even four spots instead of just backing up two. Um, but on Wenu, he's starting right guard for a couple years for Michigan. He's now he, he's probably the best offensive lineman I've seen here over the course of two days. How's Highsmith been? I know you're big on Alex Highsmith going into the week. Yeah, Highsmith had a better day rushing on day two than he had on day one. Day one, I was impressed because I saw him in person. I was like, oh, you're cut. This is awesome. Um, and then he was fine <laughs> rushing, but he didn't really stand out. He had a really good sequence on day two where he won on an outside rush with that first step explosiveness. Then he converted speed to power, and he won, won on a bull rush. And then he had it hit an inside spin, right? So I, I showed you my high side rush. I showed you my speed to power. I'm going through you rush. And then I showed you my inside rush, inside counter off of the initial outside look. So that's that's the toolbox, right? That's the fundamental. That's I can come around you, I can come inside of you, and I can go through you, and it's all going to look the same at the snap. And this is where, where, where we want our NFL rushers to be, right? We want them to be able to generate multiple angles from the same alignment, potentially even reading that tackle as they learn to play more instinctively and read their keys better. So Highsmith's been exciting for that reason. Generally, though, it isn't as strong as a defensive line group in uh, the East as it is in the West. I do like a fair bit what you're getting from uh, uh some of the secondary players on defense here miles Dorn from north carolina john Reed of penn state have been two players that are were big schoolers who came in i think with decent expectations they've been fine uh but jeremiah dinson who's this safety out of auburn who i don't even know where he played how consistently he played he never popped out on film for me at all has been really, really consistent technically, which makes a lot of sense for an Auburn secondary player. And then athletically, I think he's impressive. So I don't know what he was doing for Auburn. I don't know why he's a Shriner and he's not more than a Shriner. He never stood out to me. I never heard about him. He's having the best uh, the best week of any secondary player here for the, for the East. Uh, tight end one-on-one drills. You know, Mitchell Wilcox, uh, Giovanni Reese, the, uh, the, the Western Michigan kid who's basically like, you know, a, a, a wide receiver out here. In control of them the whole time, you know, comfortable playing with leverage, without leverage, in the trail, undercutting, breaking routes, playing through the hands of the football. Like he's clearly got fundamentally a ton of skills. And he understands what he's being asked to do. So I, I, I've liked Dinson a lot in terms of the first two days. Really have not been impressed with the tight end group from this east side. And I thought that this yeah. is maybe where what we were going to. Mitchell Wilcox. This, I, I thought that this is going to be where we maybe make our money for the position. Mitchell Wilcox is here, the tight end from USF. No, he did a lot more blocking here in 2019 than they asked him to do in 2018 when he kind of popped onto the scene as a big-time wide receiver guy. But uh, Giovanni Ricci, I've talked about him on this podcast on Twitter at uh, the Draft Network as well, where, hey, this is a guy who I could see as a sleeper. I liked a lot of the stuff that I was seeing on film. Not a lot of the stuff, but I guess he was a player who, when I watched him, was very smooth, thought he had good size, good hands, knew how to find soft spots in the zone. I thought he was going to be able to really stand out in uh, in, in some different ways here in St. Pete and he's just not and nobody from this tight end group really is uh, so not a very impressive tight end group I, I was worried that was going to be the case and here we are wide receivers on this side I think Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond are fine uh, the two Florida kids I think they're having no, good weeks Freddie Swain has not been good man I don't know what you're talking about really I mean he's not not been good but he's the starting slot for Florida, and he looks like everybody else in this group. Oh, well, I, I just think that they look like everybody else. That's the thing. I, I mean, they're not terrible, but they're the starting ones with the East group, and I think that's why I said, like, I think they're fine. I think they've been fine. 
at least Isaiah Wright and and, uh, well, and Gavin, the Florida State kid, have been doing yeah, things. Yeah. Then I want I wanted to get to because those were the two big names going into it. Is how are the Florida guys going? I'm kind of setting it up where they've been fine. The guys who are sure, standing the only out. Big names are not the Florida kids. It's not big name equals Florida kid. Get your head out of the peninsula. I'll never. Isaiah <laughs> Wright never from Temple. Right? What? I just said I would never. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Could not be me. Um, I don't know. Hold the wait. They're the two starting wide receivers for the group. Well, they were like to start off the practice. That tells me that everybody kind of like held them in high regard. Well, I mean, yes, I agree. They are two of the first three or four guys to go through the drills. I, Thank I'm, I'm you. Mostly, I'm mostly yanking your chain. I'm the just saying, two. Like, I, I show you how to order a public sub, and this. This is how I. Remember. This is what I get. Uh, the two best wide receivers, though, you named are there. Keith Gavin from uh, from uh, Florida State doesn't have a ton of juice to him, but in terms of like best two deep balls or best couple of deep balls through the first two practices, I feel like Keith Gavin's been on the uh, receiving end of them. So got a knack for getting by uh, getting by corners. I think he's got good hands. He knows how to get off release. He knows how to get by man coverage, even though he's not the uh, fastest guy in the room. So really savvy work from him there. Isaiah Wright, I really like right off of the bat. In the very first drill, he hit a nasty double move nasty. on Pernell Motley from Oklahoma, the corner. And I actually asked him about that. I had him break down that route and what goes into a double move, why he loves it so much. Got a little bit into the details of the technique that it takes to to, to set guys up and to, to run something like that. Really what goes into those highlight real plays that we see. Wrote that article over at the Draft Network so you guys could check that out. But was really impressed from him. Not only on the field, but interviewing afterwards as a kid, he seems really motivated. I asked him about his freshman year, and you know, you, you, Ben explained to me that there's the the whole Temple Tough thing, and I looked that up in his background as well. Earned a single digit number this year when he was at Temple. Voted on by his players for the work ethic, the showing up to meetings on time, the going the extra mile, all that kinds of stuff. And because of that, he was able to pick a single digit number in his final year at Temple. Was a four year contributor was clearly the most electric guy on their offense, and it's showing up here at the Shrine game. So really like those two dudes. From the As of playmakers in the passing game from the East, it starts and ends with those two, I think. The rest of the group, eh, not great so far. They got two more days to stand out, so don't want to damn them too much, but those are definitely the two guys who I would see as the uh, draftable players from this group. We'd be remiss, though, if I did not at least mention James Morgan, the quarterback from Florida from FIU. Yeah, Number like 12, because out of everybody in the group, I don't think it's a great senior bowl crop, okay? We've got Kevin Davidson from Princeton, who's been fine. Tommy Stevens from Mississippi State, who's been okay. Um, then on the west side, there is Tyler Hunterly from Utah. He's had a couple of splash plays. Kurt Rawlings from Yale, and then Mason Fine from North Texas, who Mason Fine might actually be 5'8". Listen. Me and Mason Fine, buddies forever because of height. Is that how it works? Yeah. When you're the same height, you're just automatically friends. That's what I told him, and then he walked away from me. <laughs> but, really. so, not, uh, not, a, not a group to really get excited about from the quarterback class, but James Morgan, there's been a couple of plays, man, where he has been able to let it fly, and in terms of having a natural arm, pushing it down the field, getting zip-on passes – being a playmaker against pressure, this guy is doing it better than anybody out here, to, to say the very least. Not sure how much that matters because 
I don't think a lot of guys in this group are draftable or going to be NFL players, but right, he's the best of the group. Would you not? Would you? Would you agree? No, nah, coming in, I said he had the most most potential. I thought Tyler Huntley was probably the best player in the group, and he probably still is, just in terms of the mobility and the 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 production and the growth. But Morgan's the best potential. Morgan's the guy I think of this group. If you're making me take somebody to develop, he's got the hose. He's got mobility. He's got light feet in the pocket too, which I like. I think he's a, he's a brisk mover at times, which is good to see. Um, I will say the one other player who I think is a good playmaker on the East roster and the last guy that that has stood out to me, especially on day two, is Benny LeMay, who's the Charlotte running back. Who, mm-hmm. Yeah. Jordan's been telling me to watch him, and I haven't watched him because I'm a bad friend. Um, rocked up. I mean, he's a healthy young man, 5'8", 216, right? So he's a handful and a half in terms of when you're dealing with him in the hole. But he's consistently showed that he knows what he's looking at when they run shells and they're talking about reading blocks and whatever he's a brisk mover he 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 gets up in the line of scrimmage he gets into tight areas which is nice um and then when we are going live and we're thudding it's clear that he's he's rocked up a little bit you know he's he's willing to hit guys and he he clearly can take it to safeties and take it to corners which is nice to see pass protection wise as you expect from a 58216 guy which is one of the things that you like to watch uh he's stout and he's willing to take the fight to guys well like i said so i appreciate the physicality he's playing with a lot of speed uh, and then the past, the past catching girls, he wasn't half bad, which I don't know how much he did that at Charlotte, but he looked comfortable out there, which was nice to see. So I think LeMay is an NFL player. There you go. Notes on days one and two of the East-West Shrine Bowl practices from Ben and myself. We got two more days. They got Wednesday and Thursday. Unlike the Senior Bowl, we get an extra day in there. So extra day of practice before day off on Friday and the game on Saturday. Tomorrow, I've been taking notes and... Uh, been exchanging some conversations, listening to which NFL teams might be talking to which guys here at the East-West Shrine Game or at the East-West Shrine Bowl during these practice sessions. I will collect those, tell you as much as I can on tomorrow's podcast. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.